Good morning. My name is uh, George Robertson, and Jan and myself, we have been worshiping here at IPC over the last uh, several years since my retirement, and it's a joy to be back with you this morning. Saying it's a joy also leads me into saying this, that we do live in very sobering times because, in fact, this is my first time back in the IPC facility for a worship service since the uh, second week of, uh, of March. It's good to be back, no question about that, but you know uh, along with me that things, just look around, things are different. I'm grateful, I know you are, for all of the people in our church family that have come together, really, and, and helped make uh, today possible, be it in the in-person service, the live stream of the service. But it's still different. We're still doing this, as Phil just said, with uh, some real great caution and, uh, and, and care. I mean, how you entered this morning, uh, how you're seated, uh, this is a strange thing for, for me to see, how you're going to leave the building this morning, all speaks to the continuing measure of caution and care. Lots of questions. Are we, are we making progress with the virus? Is there a second wave coming? We, we don't know. There are really no answers yet to those questions. But what it does mean is that we wear masks, we keep our six feet of distance, it's caution, it's care, it's sobering. I had a birthday this past Monday. It was a sobering one for me. My father, Jim Robertson, never lived to see that birthday. He died 27 years ago when I was 42, and some of you who are quick at math have figured that out already. Uh, I've thought a lot about that fact coming up, and on the day of my birthday, I have now had a longer earthly life than my father did. I miss him. 27 years later, I miss him. You have people that you miss. It's because the death is this sobering reality. It, it gets us thinking about the future. Is there a future? I mean, I, I, I put it to you. Is there a future for me and my dad? Will I see him again? Will I? Or does death end it all? Whether it's from COVID-19 or, in his case, from leukemia. Or, or is there something more? The Christian faith is clear on this. Death does not ever get to speak the final word. Death is not the goal of our existence, your existence. It's not even the goal of creation itself. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that the power of God is greater than the power of a pandemic, greater than the power of death. And God's goal for your life is not death. The goal of God for your life is life. Keep that in mind each and every day. But with me, I know you get it, there's still lots of questions that remain. And the Bible's not meant to be like an answer book for every single question that we have about the future. The Bible is, I see it more as, as God's promise book. And what I mean by that is that we don't get all those 
answers to the particular specific details about the future, but what we do get are promises. And they're big promises, they're, they're large promises, they're guaranteed promises, they are promises that have been made sure and certain by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's why the risen Jesus Christ needs to always be front and center for us in our understanding, every detail of our understanding about what lies ahead. The scripture passage that I'm going to read in just a moment helps us see that. To see that Jesus is both the pioneer and he's also the pattern of what God's future is going to look like. The blueprint for the future is Jesus. Look to Jesus. I want to do that this morning. I want to try and walk you through that blueprint looking at Jesus. I appreciate the ministry of music and worship that we had getting us to do that, but let's pray and then I'll read this scripture from Colossians 1 verses 15 to 23. Let's pray together. Gracious and good God, thank you for drawing near to us. Help us now to feel you near by the impulses and the movement of your spirit in our lives, taking hold of these verses of Scripture and making them real for us, giving depth and meaning, grant us understanding, open our eyes to see, I pray, asking for this in the name of the risen and living Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. From Colossians chapter 1, beginning with the 15th verse. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Well, I want to give you just a real short, from the negative side of the chapter, what that's saying. If you lose sight of Christ, if you leave Jesus out of the picture, 
If you ignore his supremacy over all creation, if you overlook Jesus' role in the creation of all things, if you disregard his present work in holding everything together, if you discount his resurrection from the dead, if you scorn his atoning and sacrificial death on the cross to reconcile all things on earth and in heaven to the Father, you are going to come to a dead end. You will reach a no exit sign. I'll put it on the blunt side. If you cross out Jesus is Lord, your faith is going to end up being futile. This morning, my heart is this, that I would want to walk alongside of you, as it were, in this message and help you to be able to write Jesus into the equation of your life as Lord and not cross him out, but write him in. So let's go. Number one, when you look at Jesus, you are looking at the living God. Verse 15, read that. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is not a sort of, kind of like God. Jesus is not even an authenticated reproduction of God. Jesus is the real deal. He's the original. Jesus is God. And when you look at Jesus, you are looking at the living God. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is really like, then you have to, you need to look at Jesus. Number two, Jesus is Lord over creations. Verse 15, that he's supreme over all creation. Three weeks ago, the news came out about SDSS. You read about it, didn't you? Did you, did you see that about SDSS? I, I can't get an answer from the live streaming folks, so here in the sanctuary I need an answer. Well, maybe you didn't, but that stands for the Sloan Digital Sky Survey. And it's a, a, a 3D map of the universe, and it's, it's mind-boggling, friends, it really is. This project has mapped out and measured more than 2 million galaxies, 2 million, stretching all the way from our Milky Way to ancient objects that are more, now get this, 11 billion light years away. Now maybe that's too way out there for you, okay? Let me try and bring it in um, real close. You have 37 trillion cells in your body. And each one of those cells has the complexity of the travel grid, not of Woodstock or Interkip, but of Toronto. Did you hear me there? Here's what you need to hear with all that. You can put Jesus' name behind all of that. Jesus is the creative genius of it all. Jesus is Lord over creation. Number three, Jesus holds everything together. Verse 17, he holds all creation together. We live in what scientists would call a, a finely tuned universe. And basically what that means is that if one of the fundamental constants of the universe shifts, then, well, I've got some sad news for you. It's over. It's done. Life is, that is. It's kaput. It's finished. I mean, think of it like this. The average distance between stars in our, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is, is four light years, okay? And a light year equals 9.5 trillion kilometers. 
That's 38 trillion kilometers in our galaxy. If those distances, if that distance was any shorter, the whole galaxy would be destabilized. Orbits would be thrown out of, out of whack and the whole galaxy would be, well, done. Net result? No more life. If the distances were any greater, our Earth would never have formed and the net result of that, the same. No life. The thing is, it's just right. It's just right. Now how did that come about? A creator made it, and a creator holds it together, and his name is Jesus. My heart in uh, preparing for this morning and, and coming here is that you would see this very Jesus as someone who is worthy, more than worthy, of your trust and your confidence, and yet it's got to be for you like it is for me. There still are questions, and they're really very honest questions that, that nag at us. If, if what I have just said about Jesus is Lord, Lord over creation, holding everything together, if all of that is true, and I, and, I, and I believe with every ounce of my being that it, that it is true, then, then why is the world that we live in so out of whack? Why is everything so wrong, disease and, and death and the huge trail of brokenness and, and pain in our world and the trauma. You read about it, you, you, you watch it every day of the, of the evil of, of, our, of our wickedness. It, you know, I know, none of it's right. And there's something that's needed to put it right, and there's something that's in you and something that's in me that cries out for that. Every part of our being, we instinctively know that the world we live in is not the way that it's supposed to be. I mean, do you long for something better? You may have your mask on, but you can still put your hand up if you agree with something like that. Do, do, do you have this yearning within you for, 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 for something better? Here's one of the promises, the astounding promises in the Word of God, that in Jesus Christ, something better has come. Something different has come. Something better is coming. Something different is coming. In the midst of all of our confusion, our bewilderment, our, our distress, the pain of the world that we live in, God gives us a glimpse, like right here and right now, of what the future is going to be like. We get to see what is coming because of the heart and grace of God for us that's been expressed through Jesus Christ. Let me take you into that. Jesus, number four, is Lord over the new creation. The morning that Jesus walked out of the tomb, a new order of human existence began. A new world came into being. That let me tell you, was not a resuscitation. It wasn't reincarnation. It was resurrection. It was Jesus Christ having come through death and coming back to life with a body, a new body that death could no longer touch or have a hold on. And the power of death had been defeated by the power of God. 
And our passage this morning tells us that Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. He's the firstborn of many more who, just like him, are going to go through death to life. Now, how does all of that work out? That's a, that's a big question, and I'm a, I'm a simple guy in lots of ways. So I go back to my grade school days to help me figure this out. Did you ever learn good, better, best, never let it rest? You never learned anything? I, it's was instilled into me. Was it my parents? Was it one of my teachers? I, I don't know. But I use those three words to help me remember the big promises of God in the risen Jesus Christ. Rest assured, the life that God has given us right now, here and now, it's, it's good. Our lives, when we give them over in trust and faith to the God who has redeemed us, the God who has created us have importance. They have significance. There's value to our lives right here and, and right now. And that's good. But as good as it gets right now, the Bible tells us this, that going to be with Christ is better by far. What, what happens for a believer, a follower of Jesus at death? Well, instantly... At the moment that we die, our spirit departs our body and we go to be with the Lord. The body goes to the grave and our spirit goes to heaven. Jesus' uh, promise, wonderful promise to the, the thief on the cross next to him was that very day he would be with him. He would be with Christ in paradise and that's better. But here's the clue. Beyond that, to the most incredible thing that's coming, you, you have to remember Jesus. He's the firstborn from among the dead. And you, we are going to be like Jesus. So just think about that with me for a moment now. If Jesus is the creative genius behind creation, what do you think that Jesus has in store for God's new creation? I don't know that I can count that high. It's to the power of 10. It's to the power of, of 100. It's going to be a new day. It, it, I hope you don't get bored in this message, but I'll tell you, in that day, you'll never be bored. You never will be. You'll be energized. You'll be invigorated. You'll be exhilarated. You will be alive you will be like the risen and embodied Jesus Christ. What I'm saying to you is this, that heaven, the better, is only going to be the first leg of your journey following this life. Heaven is only going to be an interim period. Heaven is not going to be the final answer. You are not going to live forever in heaven. The day is coming when you too, just like Jesus, just like Jesus, will be given a new body. And when Jesus appears, when the Lord returns, what we call the second coming, God is going to bring heaven to earth. And there will be, the scriptures tell us, a new heaven and a new earth. I think of it like this, resurrected bodies, and that's what we're going to get because that's what Jesus has, need a resurrected world. 
Well, what do we learn here in our Scripture passage? We learn that God has reconciled to Himself through the risen Jesus Christ all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Christ's blood shed on the cross. And my friends, that's our Christian hope. There's the good, there's the better, and then there's the best. The Hebrew word for peace here is that all things, you know, uh, peace through the blood of Christ shed on the cross is uh, shalom. And shalom is wholeness, it's, it's beauty. Shalom is what it looks like when everything has been put right, when it's just right. And shalom is the work of Jesus. Shalom is what Jesus has done to put things right in God's creation. Shalom, in reality, is Jesus because Jesus is our peace. You could think of it like this, that the fall unleashed the forces of what I call, I don't even like the term, but I, I, I call it anti-shalom. The ripping apart of the harmony and the love and the order of God's original creation. And God's peace, God's shalom, has broken in to this pandemic-ridden creation into our lives. And the risen Jesus sets about restoring shalom, order and beauty and wholeness in our lives and in the world through his sacrificial death. And now in the power of the resurrection of Christ, God is at work throughout all of creation restoring peace, shalom. And Jesus is the answer to that. He's the one who reconciles, he restores, he makes everything new. And what has started in Christ, what you have begun to see happening in your life, the, 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 the lives of those other people that you know here in IPC, it's, it's but a glimpse of what is coming. Right now, this is an incredible thought, but right now, uh, heaven is where God is storing up. Right now where my dad is, is where God is storing up all his plans and purposes for the future of this world. And right now, all the dead in Christ are with him, which is better by far, but they, too, are waiting for the best. And the best is not going to live with God. That's better by far than the good that we know now. But the best is, oh, <laughs> the best is when God comes to live with us. That's the best. Things on earth, things in heaven, brought together in peace, at peace, peace, through the blood of Christ shed on the cross. All right, let me say a few things about number six, this new creation piece. Well, I'm not the first one to be talking about these things because Pastor Chris has been doing a lot of talking about it here over recent weeks as well. He's been giving us, and I've been watching this on, on, online, but great teaching on the kingdom of God. And the story of Jesus is really the story of God's kingdom, Shalom. 
the story of God's kingdom peace, making change possible in personal lives, your life, my life, but also making change possible in the world. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, this good life that I now live, I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live. And what I'm saying there is that I, anti-shalom no longer lives in me, but Christ my shalom, my peace, lives in me. When you walked in to the sanctuary this morning, you brought something with you. Let me ask you, was it anti-shalom or was it shalom? Was it the old creation you or is it the Christ who now lives in you, who fills you with his new creation peace? Did you bring selfishness and negativity and judgment and harshness when you entered the sanctuary or did you bring Christ who is your shalom? Did, did you bring encouragement or did you bring criticism? Did you, did you bring a heartfelt warmth for your family in IPC or didn't you bring coldness of heart for some of the folk that are gathered here this morning? Did you bring mistrust or did you bring suspicion? Did you bring grace or did you bring mercy? Did you bring anti-shalom or did you bring shalom when you came through the doors this morning. And these questions are, are not just for those of you who are gathered here this morning. They're for those who are watching on social media as well. They're, they're questions that we need to be asking ourselves every day in every sphere of life that we live in, the sphere of our family, of, of the neighborhood that we live in, the community that we live in, our places of education, our workplaces, in, in our province and in our country and in the world. When you put your trust and confidence in the risen Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus powerfully gives you a new story of life. And you have a new calling on your life now. You have a calling to be a representative of God's kingdom, shalom, the peace of Christ. You're an instrument. I love, I love, I can't do it, <laughs> but I love watching people that can play instruments, but you're an instrument, and the master wants to play you as it were, as one of his instruments of his kingdom, shalom, the, the healing purposes of God, the, the future plans of God, there's, there's bits and pieces of God's future, they're, they're all around us. What's coming, the best that's coming is right now here in a little wee bit in the good. And you're called, IPC is called by the grace of God to help bring about that planned future of God's new heaven and new earth. We don't bring it in. Don't think that for a moment. Jesus is the one that does that. But we're his agents, his representatives. We have this calling. We've tasted of the future in Christ. And we know, living even as we do in the good, not yet having tasted the better, we know that that's, help me now, good, better. Say it out loud, so, even through your mask, so they can hear you on social media. The best. It's coming, and you're a representative of it right now. Because 
You know, and I know, that there are people within our sphere of influence who desperately need to see that there's a future for them and that that future holds something more than the good and likely the worst of what they're living right now. They are people who need to see the staggering truth that the better life of heaven will give way to the best of God, God bringing heaven to earth, the new heaven and the new earth. Well, I, I told you about the birthday that I had. It means I can remember the name Peter Graves. Who else remembers that name? Mission Impossible. Well, to update some of you, maybe I should say Tom Cruise and, and Mission Impossible. This is not that. What I've been talking about this morning, this is Mission Possible. Because this is what God's grand plan is for this church, for your life, and for this world. Let me just give you, I think they'll put them up on the screens for you here now, from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whatever you say, do it in the name. Do it as the representative of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Is representative from First Peter chapter one, verse two. May everything good from God be yours. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have Him, this Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life, and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you are going to have it all: life healed, life whole. So let me tell you about, having just spoken the word life, let me tell you about the death of someone this past month, the death of uh, James Packer. On uh, July 17th, the uh, theologian, scholar, and author uh, James Packer died in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, he wrote over 70 books, and his most well-known one is, is likely the... Uh, one titled Knowing God. I'm sure it's in the library here. He was 93 years of age. Over the years, Packer commended Richard Baxter, the Puritan, his practice of meditating half an hour every day on the reality of heaven. For Packer, what made heaven heaven was Jesus himself. And I don't know if they got... Do you have the quote from Packer to put up? They're good. The, the essence of eternity as I conceive it, as it lies before me as my destination, is quite simply the joy of being with the Lord. And while on earth, the, the Lord gave Packer a calling, gave him the energy, uh, and, he, he, and he, he gave him the ability and the health to accomplish it. And, and so he, he writes this, here in this world, he, God, gives us things to do, and we affirm our identity as his children by tackling the tasks that he gives us. There in heaven... The relationship we have is closer, closer in terms of realization than it's ever been in this world. James Packer, Jim Packer, is with the Lord, and he is filled with joy, just like my dad. But it's not over for them. 
there's still more. The pandemic has meant that a lot of people's summer travel plans have been put on hold. This is, uh, oh, I don't even want to say it. It's one of those difficult realities for our family of the pandemic, but this is the first year in over four decades, I think 45 years, that our family hasn't been able to go to Prince Edward Island. As our children were growing up, spring was good, but uh, summer was always better. Vacation, holidays, uh, summer was when we would pack up and we would leave for four, five weeks in PEI. And we never drove straight to the island. We always made sure that there was at least one stopover in a nice motel with a swimming pool and as many other family delights as we could afford. The first day in the car, all the talk was about where we were going and what we were going to do when we arrived at the motel, be it a motel in Quebec or in New Brunswick. To this very day, if you mention the, uh, to our three children, and they're, understand they're now 42, 40, and 35, and I, oh man, I'm that old, eh? But if you mention the name of the motel, Pré de Lac, in Grand Falls, New Brunswick, to any of them, their eyes will light up. I, I, I guarantee you they, they, they will. Because there are stories, and there are more stories, and there are stories beyond that about the fun and the good times we had over the years at that particular motel. There my advert for them is in, uh, if you're going to PEI. I, yeah. But the next day, bright and early, we were on the road for Prince Edward Island. And whether we took the ferry or going across uh, Conf Confederation uh, Bridge, uh, we knew we were, as we put it, finally home. We'd arrived at our destination. We'd been living as adults and the, the three children longing for 11 months to set foot in the land of Anne, to walk those red dirt roads, to swim in the ocean, to play on the beaches on the North Shore, to relax, to read at the cottage. You know, summer after summer... As I drove along the Bayshore Road and passed the beautiful Scottish Lynx 18-hole Stanhope Golf Course uh, alongside the, the, the shimmering waters of, of Covehead Bay and then made a right turn on Timewood, T-H-Y-M-E, Timewood Lane, and we had a full field of the purple of it, my friends, but and making a first turn on the left to our cottage, my family would hear me say every time, this is the life. And they would all agree. Stony Creek, where we lived at the time, was good. It was really very good. Pray to lack? Well, we were on the way to PEI, and that was even better. But Prince Edward Island? You get it? That was the best. We're going to watch a video right now. And then I'm going to come back just with a few more words, but the video is called Evermore.
Of all the fears that grip our hearts, no fear is greater than the fear of death. There are those who will tell you that death is a natural part of life. But if death is just a part of life, then why does it cause us such anger and sorrow? When God created humanity, he intended for us to grow more and more beautiful over time. But in one tragic moment, we unleashed sin into the world and everything broke, including our bodies. Death is the ultimate consequence of sin and it fills God's heart with anger and sorrow even more than it does ours because death was not a part of God's original plan. The Bible says that when Jesus approached the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he quaked with rage and his eyes filled with tears. He was overwhelmed by the suffering caused by death, a curse we had brought upon ourselves. Death's curse was physical. Both the world and our bodies were decaying. But death's curse was also spiritual, eternally separating humanity from their creator, the source of all light, love, and life. But because of God's amazing love, he chose to surrender all power and glory to rescue us from death. Jesus, God's only son, was expelled from the presence of the Father and thrust into complete darkness in our place. He took humanity's curse upon himself, breaking death's grip on us and purchasing humanity a place at the Father's side forever. A day is coming when the true King will return at last to restore the world to its full glory and us with it, renewing both soul and body. You'll still be yourself, but even more so. You'll finally be the real you. On that day, we'll look at each other and say, I always knew you could be like this. I saw glimpses of the real you, flashes of it, and now here you are. Our future is not an ethereal, impersonal one. You're not going to float through the clouds. You're going to walk. You're going to eat. You're going to laugh. You're going to hug. You're going to sing in realms and degrees of power and joy that you cannot now imagine. Some will tell you not to fear death because it's part of life. But Jesus says not to fear death because it's been defeated. And the day will come when Jesus embraces you with his nail-scarred hands and says, Welcome home. I have so much to show you. I have so much to show you. There's the good, there's the better, and then there's the best. And it's for you, it's for me, it's, it's for this world that we live in, and it's God's heart. And I hope, I trust in the Lord that by the the work of God's Spirit here this morning, you have been able to sense something of that, feel something of that, been able to experience the love of God in the risen Jesus Christ washing over you here this morning, knowing that you've got a tomorrow and then you've got an eternity 
and, and, and letting that be something that you start to soak yourself in by the grace of God, the mercy of God, every single day by putting your trust and your confidence in this same Jesus that's written about here in Colossians chapter 1. This Jesus who is the living God, this Jesus who is Lord over creation, this Jesus who holds everything together, this Jesus who is Lord over God's new creation, this Jesus who gives you the good, the better, and the best of God's heart for you. This Jesus, who's God's shalom, your creation peace, starting right now, starting here. I want to invite um, the members of the worship team to come forward. Be, just have a, a, a couple of things left to say, because if, if you whether here in the sanctuary this morning or, or watching via social media, if you, if you see all of this in Jesus, can I tell you it's time. It really is time right here and right now, if you have not done this, to give this Jesus your trust and your confidence to lean into him and into his grace for you and to say yes to him as your Savior, to say yes to following him as Lord. It's time for you to write Jesus into the equation of your life as Lord over all. Would you join me as we pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this moment. We take this moment as a, a gift from you. And we ask you to hear us, each one of us, as from the depth of our being, we say yes to you. You are Lord. You are risen from the dead. And you are Lord. This we pray in the mighty, the magnificent, the beautiful and the wonderful, gracious, and good name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.